Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 491 on Tuesday, the 13th of September, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be making something clearer than the mud I made last week. We'll see where Moores is going to play nice at next. <laughs> and we are transfixed by the transparency of one engine's workings. But first, we have just a smidgen of follow-up. and the, Well, it's a two-part follow-up. First bit is I need to clarify the point I should have been making last week about why Rivian did not want to come to the UK. It was mm. connected to the proposed UK data laws and how that's going to change things. But what I should have then gone on to say instead of on the rant I went on. And I should have been awake enough to stop him on the rant he was on, <laughs> by the way. I realized when I listened back. So I'm sorry I let him go on for so long. But what it would mean is that the UK would lose its adequacy in the eyes of the EU, which then means any business dealing with UK and or in the UK that deals with EU data has to do two sets of things because they have to do the UK mm. and then they have to do the EU. Primarily, I think if I've read things correctly, set up a centre in the EU <laughs> to deal with yeah. that stuff and not transfer it into the UK. So that's where that comes from. Right, got that out of the way. And thanks to Ken Tyndall for pointing out my mistake on that one. Much appreciated. Second bit of Rivian news. Surprisingly is they are going to partner up with Mercedes-Benz for their electric vans. And they're going to open at an existing Mercedes-Benz site in Central or Eastern Europe, yet to be confirmed. <laughs> and they're going to build their large electric vans based on two platforms. The first is on the Mercedes Vans Electric Architecture or Van.ea platform. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then Rivian's, which is Rivian Light Van or RLV. They're going to have two types of vans that they're making at these factories. It's going to help Rivian because they don't have to make a new plant, which mm -hmm. is incredibly expensive. And all the infrastructure that goes along with the new plant, which is probably even more expensive than the plant, I would imagine. Yeah. This ties into our uh, discussion also last week or the week before about a large... EV vans being over limits and stuff like that, maybe they can get mm -hmm. them down to a level that doesn't mean that they're in uh, HGV territory. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I can understand why they might want it on two different platforms because you might have a very specialist platform for companies that like to build their own bodies, essentially, and want their own bodies. Mm. Um, and an ultra-heavy-duty forever-and-ever-amen type vans. And you might want a slightly lighter one for going to normal commercial companies and not the very, very big distribution fleets. Yeah. Do you want to take us to the, well, I think this is quite daft of them, but the Porsche IPO news. <laughs> Ridiculously daft. It has been muttered for quite some considerable time that Porsche is going to do an initial public offering. It's going to sell some shares to the public. Porsche is owned by, is basically owned, by Volkswagen and the Porsche and Porsche families. Yes. It's all very confusing and <laughs> complex. It really is. It, it is like one of these houses in a French village where 
when nobody really owns it, everybody owns, you know, once somebody's died, everybody owns about 60 second of it. <laughs> and it's got so many shared boundaries with the villa, with the other houses round about. Uh, and nobody really talks to each other or likes each other. So the chances of you actually being able to successfully purchase said house is very, very low. That's basically the Porsche IPO. Not only that, but if you do actually buy shares in said house, then you're not actually really, you don't get much more than some shares. You don't get the chance to vote as a shareholder. You don't get the chance to, to take part in any decision making. It's all very strange. Now, the aim of this this cluster is to <laughs> is to raise money to boost electric vehicle development. That's what they're saying. And it should be an entrepreneurial freedom entrepreneurial boost and giving them extra freedom like a startup so they can have fish tanks and massages and all sorts of stuff but generally it's all very odd given all the constraints i can't work out why anyone would invest in this unless you just want to say you own a little bit of porsche and it comes in a little porsche branded box possibly with a porsche branded keychain and say, look, I own some of Porsche. And, and I think that that's the only way that this makes sense because it's the governance structures around Porsche and around Volkswagen and everything there. And the way it all is, it is you just... No, I mean, well, it, it's nuts for a couple of reasons. One, the offering, which is mm. give us money and you can have a certificate saying with a Porsche badge on it. That's the only thing you seem to get for it because, as you say, there's no voting rights. Is it like buying a square meter on the moon? I think it, it it feels very much like that. But not just that. The timing of this is mad. Mm. Pretty much all economists across the globe say we're in for a global shock. It's going that way through various things that are going on at the moment, on top of what was already hampering industry, particularly the car industry, in the semiconductor chips and parts and all these other stuff. And still the shocks and reverberations of uh, COVID lockdowns, uh, and some some places are still doing lockdowns, like China. Why they think now is the time to put this up to try... Well, we know why. They desperately need the cash. Hmm. As we were saying a couple of weeks ago again when talking about somebody being fined for defeat devices in America, Volkswagen have had to shell out in excess of $30 billion because of mm. Dieselgate. They've then had to completely change what they're focusing on in producing, as in it needs to be EVs only. Then legislation's mm. coming in saying, you've got another seven and a bit years to be EV only in Europe and the UK. Mm. Get used to that. And then their last CEO made mad proclamations about software. Mm -hmm. That works well. Yes. Ugh. On top of that, they're also pursuing um, autonomous vehicles, which, as we know, again, discussed last week, that ain't cheap, let alone getting anywhere near working. <laughs> yeah. So so you think ultimately what's what's really happened is it's filtered down to the top, like, right, Porsche, EVs, but we've got no money, so you're going to have to find some way of doing it yourself. And they're like, yeah, we'll do an IPO. And everybody at Volkswagen then goes, oh, but it's very difficult to do the IPO. You must be in this constraint and this constraint and this constraint. No, I, d I don't think it's that. I think Volkswagen have gone, Porsche is our most profitable arm. We need cash desperately. Let's get some suckers to buy some shares. Mm -hmm. But we will agree that it is a bit of a camel. What could possibly have been a racehorse 
the committees have all stepped in and it's turned into a camel. Yeah, by not allowing voting rights, you have mm. reduced it to people having a bit of a bet, not serious investors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, speaking of uh, speaking of a bit of a bet and <laughs> someone that at least stopped a little bit of betting on our TV screens for a while, Kazoo. Yep, Kazoo has confirmed that it is going to retreat from the four European markets that it uh, was in. It went to Italy last a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just going to focus on the UK now. Instead of the expansion in which they were previously pursuing across Europe, they've decided they're now going to concentrate on becoming uh, cash flow profitable <laughs> for a change, which which seems <laughs> quite an important thing to do as a business, where they're going to go cash flow positive. And they reckon by removing themselves out of these European markets they've gone in, by the end of 2023, they'll have saved $100 million. Coincidentally, they reckon that by the end of 2023, they'll have $100 in the bank left. So that's why they really need to be cash flow profitable by then. wonder where the $100 is coming from, because that's really convenient. Otherwise, Mm. I think they are in serious, serious duty. I saw earlier in the year at least one article about, and I think it was from um, Daniel Puddicombe, about Kazoo's seemingly sponsoring any sporting event across the globe almost, yeah. and the cash they had splashed on that. Because again, in Europe, there's there's going to be lots of sporting venues, football mainly, that are going to have one of their sponsors leave. They are having to try to backtrack their way out of many of those agreements. Yeah. No, it's it's not going to be cheap. Major, major teams involved. Yeah. Uh, there as well. So that is uh, who will have very, very good negotiators and lawyers, I'm sure. Yeah. That ain't going gonna, ain't gonna to be cheap. This business just doesn't pass the smell test for me. It never has. There's just too much show and not enough... The the challenge is that you've not just got to sell people a car once whenever they're stuck at home. Mm. You've got to then be able to continue that yeah. whenever they can get out, whenever they can go and buy cars in the traditional fashion that they're all used to. Uh, and not only that, you've got to get people coming back a second time and a third time because it's not like software or an online service or something where you just chip in for a couple of quid a month mm. or you pay a one-off fee for, for 12 months of access to it. You actually have to, you know, each, it costs you money to keep on selling. It's not like software where you write it once and then it just doesn't really cost you anything extra, whether you have a hundred thousand or a million users. It's each one has to be fought for. Yeah. Each purchase has to be forced. And if it's an online, uh, online service, how are you building a relationship? Because we exactly. know so many. So many car purchases are, are based on relationships. But part of it there is that there's a certain, I mean, Kazoo was, you don't, how do I word, how do I word this and express what I'm trying to think here? The challenge here is that services like Kazoo are for buying cars as transport. Mm. They are really for rational purchases. Now, nobody rational is buying a car right now. The only reason I had to buy a car right now is because I had to buy a car. And so nobody rational is buying a car. And the only people who really do, you know, use services like Kazoo are buying rational cars. If you're buying something or you're just in, you're never just inspired to buy something, you can go, oh, that's lovely. And then by browsing the Kazoo website, you're looking there because you're looking to buy a grey German hatchback. Let's be perfectly frank mm-hmm. here. Yeah, yeah. And people 
aren't because a there aren't any new gay german hatchbacks <laughs> and b the, the prices are just crazy right now and c everybody's feeling such a flipping squeeze on their finances you're looking at the car and going well it's fine i'll keep on going for a bit yeah and unless you need to you're at the end of a lease and you need to lease something new or replace it with another 350 quid a month car then you're not doing it yeah that's part of the whole infrastructure that makes this kind of stuff not as sustainable as it was yeah just to finish off at the bottom of this uh, am online article that's linked in the show notes says the, the business announced 243 million pound loss in the first half of 2022 which is more than doubles of the losses in the first half of 2021 which is i can i can see why because 2021 mm-hmm. people were starting to get out again weren't they and yeah exactly there were more ve- there were more vehicles at that point there were still more vehicles and people able to purchase them yep different story and it was still making losses then so let's just see how it gets on huh mm-hmm. but not for very long do you want to take us to switzerland yes i'd love to teach switzerland actually i really like switzerland as long as somebody else's money that's involved in paying for it <laughs> former aston martin ceo tobias moore's a wonderfully popular man so it seems <laughs> has joined Pike. Pike Automotive as the chief technical officer, and he will co-run the startup along with Manfred Fitzgerald, the former head of Genesis. Mm, Yes. Mm. Can't really see that going well because you've got two very senior men who are used to being in control now having to work together and... Yes. uh, I, I would imagine it's it's only a matter of time before one leaves. Yes, I, it's almost worth sort of opening up a, a calendar on your fridge door for that one and ticking it off. <laughs> ticking off the weeks because Hermos has, has not really got a great reputation for being a lovely person to work with. Yes, that's right. That's the way to put it. Because they're, they're only still developing the, the GT. Well, yes, there's a long time to go. Let's see which one has survived the startup games by the time it, it, it's actually launched yeah probably at the geneva show <laughs> yes <laughs> watch for the sand in your shoes yeah i'm going to take us to the uh, to the news that bmw has decided to switch out its battery technology and it's going for cylindrical batteries more in the traditional shape like a double a that we would recognize mm. from their rectangular ones that they had been using previously now they say by doing this um, it's going to arrive from 2025 onwards. Mm. Doing this, they claim it should offer 30% more range. And, by the way, the word could does an awful lot of heavy lifting in this Move Electric article that's linked in the show notes. Yeah, It could be 50% cheaper to produce. Mm-hmm. Is this? I think this is along the lines of all these batteries are could have were supposed to be cheaper for us by now anyway we were, we've been promised for years and years and it's not happening really not to a significant level <laughs> no or if the if the batteries are getting cheaper then the cost of the vehicles is going up and the profit margin is going up mm. as well <laughs> cheap usable evs for all is not really happening wonderfully fast is it i think we, no. we we had a long discussion about this prior to hitting the record button this morning yeah but added to uh, how how much more range these should give. They reckon uh, the energy density has increased by 20% and charging speed improves by 30%. Can I just chime in on that, the energy density and thing? Because to me, as a designer, obviously the first thing you think is is don't make things cylindrical because they don't tessellate and they don't fit together nicely. 
the fact that the density is increased by making it round seems crazy until you realize that actually it's because it's easier to cool that's what I was round objects. Yeah. The, the space in between them allows coolant to go through. The center is the same distance from every point on the outside of the battery, so it cools more efficiently. And that's why, by the more efficient cooling, is what also means that, in actual fact, it you can charge them more quickly as well. Well, you can pack them closer because there's so much more surface area exposed, isn't there? Exactly. So the whole thing about all the density is improves whenever you leave more space between stuff seems totally and utterly counterintuitive to me mm. in the first place until I think about it a little while longer. Sorry, yep. just worth mentioning it because I figure that if I'm stupid enough to not have thought of that, then hopefully somebody else is going to have been stupid enough not to have thought of that and wonder the same thing. And just to say that this is also the way that Tesla go with their mm. batteries. So much as we mock Tesla, and there is so much to do that with, their battery tech is pretty decent, and they have been continuing to innovate. Very decent. But that's what they started as, remember? They were a battery company originally, yeah. a bit like Honda was, Honda was an engine company. Yeah, I, I can see more and more going down that line. Absolutely. <laughs> Right, do you want to shade us from the sun, please, Alan? Shade us from the sun and manage to extract energy at the same time, Andrew. Yes. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Be efficient. <laughs> this is one of these press releases that occasionally sneaks their way into the show running order, and I think, Andrew, what on earth are you thinking? Where did this come from? And then you read it and you think, actually, that's quite nice. This is a press release about something called a solar botanic, and that's the name of the manufacturer. Uh, solar Botanic Trees launches revolutionary solar-powered tree. And you think, well, aren't all trees solar-powered? <laughs> and what the heck is this pretentious twaddle? But in actual fact, it, it's quite neat. It's something which sort of solves a couple of challenges, really. But the idea is that this is a solar panel shaped like a parasol more than a tree, yeah, but each of the sort of segments of the parasol is sort of leafy, so it's more like a palm tree than anything else. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that because, of course, it has a slight dome to it, then it catches the sun in all the various directions, and that that can then be used to to sort of absorb power. Now, the good thing about it being tree shaped uh, is that it also casts shadow and shade. And so, if you had these in car parks above chargers, for example, or maybe had half a tree on the side of your house um, above your car not only does it keep your car cooler cleaner etc but also it's generating quite a lot of electricity yeah if they can get this to work reliably like they do appear to be able to do from everything that's uh being said and whilst it is a press release but these are expected yes. to be available from early 2023 so it is their press release so obviously they're going to be very positive about what they say <laughs> But I, I like the idea of this, and I like the fact that it's it's trying to solve a problem, but doing it in a little bit of a clever way that has a lot of possible uses on a variety mm. of a variety of locations. Because they also talk about you could set them up as a bit of a mini grid as well. Yeah, there's some points here. It doesn't just have to be. To the, my first thought when I looked through this was, how is this car related? Actually, but there's other because there's plenty of sort of non-automotive places where this could be used in sort of shopping centres and things like that. You could have them. I don't know. You, you do that, and then you think, well, is that just an excuse to sort of replace spindly architect trees which you get? But then you think, well, a real tree brings other benefits too. So you don't necessarily want 
everybody chopping down real trees and replacing them with fake solar panel trees. Well, as everybody found, or particularly America found recently with the heat wave, is trees actually produce a lot of natural cooling to the, to the point of 10 degrees difference in cooling mm. between being out and then being shaded. This sort of thing adds a number of benefits, actually, uh, for, for things. Yeah. Want to watch and see how they uh, they get on with that. Yeah, hopefully we'll see those in, in real life before very long. Yep. Google Maps, Andrew. Yes, Google Maps. Now, a couple of months ago, so they're a bit late to this one, I'm afraid, but a couple of months ago they made a major update to cycling navigation, um, particularly in the UK usage, where yeah. they they give you the, the ride, uh, the options for your route, and you'll be able to see where you encounter heavy traffic, and also, it highlights which possible routes have got more uh, cycling infrastructure built mm. for them. So you may want to go, oh, that route's quicker, but hang on, I'm going to be in a cycle lane on this other route, so that'll be just much easier. I'll go that yeah. way, particularly if you're, say, in London or something like that, or you know, the urban areas that are now deploying cycling lanes. Also, Apple Maps have um, deployed similar now as well. If you're not a Google Maps user any much more of an apple maps user then it does similar yeah highlighting the routes which are more likely to be on quiet roads and use more cycle paths and stuff i used i used and discovered it worked certainly around here it worked quite well at the weekend oh that's good based on based on based on usage in it uh, just to show yeah real world review uh, just to show <laughs> <laughs> that it's not all about urban areas. Uh, in the article that's linked in the show notes, they do an example of um, cycling in Wales, and it shows you the two routes, and it also shows you the elevation you'd be going through as well. Mm. One of the routes is significantly more hilly than the other. So again, depending on your ability, what you're actually after in a, in the particular cycle, it's giving you more information to allow you to make a better judgment on the route to take. Yeah, giving you the route profiles and stuff is important. Yep. If you're a lazy sod like me, you go, hmm, <laughs> five minutes longer, but not climbing an extra couple of hundred feet, I'll go the longer route then. <laughs> right, I think that's the end of the first part. Yes, it means it's guilt minute. Quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to get the lights on the hosting running. If you're the worst during podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment to from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. I'm trying to think of more stuff for our spring store. He is. So if you have suggestions or ideas, then I am all ears. I'm partway through looking, well, no, I am looking for inspiration. I found some, but it's not as good as I would like. So Anyway. If you don't have any spare cash, we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes. That was awfully enthusiastic, wasn't it? It was. You were very up. Well done. That's good. Yeah, it's a strong coffee this morning. If a strong coffee. Andrew, motorsport news. Yes, WRC. It was the Acropolis Rally last weekend. And for the first time ever, Hyundai locked out the podium. They were first, second, and third. Nouvelle won. Wow. Optanek was second. And Sordo was third. There is, though, now, and there has been a lot of mutterings and happiness at this, there is now serious tension in the Hyundai camp because Optanek was directed well actually Nouveau and Tannic were directed 
by the president of Hyundai. Mm. Hold station, finish one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Ottanik was closing in on Nouvelle and saw it as an opportunity to gain points on Rovenpera because he was having an absolute stinker. He ended up outside the points in the end uh-huh. after he managed to smash the back end of his Yaris by hitting a tree on the Sunday, I think it was. Uh, but <laughs> this has been brewing now because Tanix managed to win a couple of rallies. So he suddenly got quite vocal about mm. things. I noticed, and I'm not impressed with that sort of action, I have to say, but that's just me. You know, what do I know as an outsider watching, looking in? I'm not a superstar sports person, but <laughs> Tanik was uh, was saying, w- was asked about this, and he said, depends what is the target. If you want to fight for the championship, it was wrong, but if you want to have good PR, it was the right one. It depends what perspective you are looking from. I think that's a fair comment. I don't know that I would say it in public. Yes, in that that's position. my point. That's my point. But really. I, I, you know, I, I, I behind I the think scenes, you go, "I'm not happy that you did that." I understand I'm not why, happy but I'm not that. happy. And then, and then you would hope that someone would give you a quick ten thousand euros to just shut up and be happy. Well, he's also been asked whether he'll be with Hyundai next year, and he said, "We don't oh, know. We don't well, know. We'll have to see." And this is after he uh, was vocal in the last rally about Nouveau and Nouveau crashing out when he did because uh, it was Belgium. Mm. Nouveau was very much the team man where he said, okay, it's great to win, but the priority, but it was better for the team that we were one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Very easy to say that when you're the top step. I do understand that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but the thing is that on the first day, this, this was M Sports Day mm. because Loeb was leading and they were in second with Lube and it was just... He's sort of going, oh, can this finally be that M Sport now have a good rally? Please. <laughs> this. I, I saw some muttering from Jay Ward on Twitter about that one in a sort of, oh, what a, what a terrible morning for the rallying. But Mechanical issues, basically. They didn't have to rebuild. M Sport do not have to rebuild their cars. Mm. That is the plus point. Unfortunately, they were let down by various mechanical issues, uh, including few, uh, think it, they think the M Sport had the fuel issue. If not, it was Toyota. Toyota had an absolute stinker. That they had an awful rally as well. In the end, there was WRC twos in the top tens because that many people had dropped out. Uh, brilliant for Hyundai. Unfortunately, now we're only going to talk about how much Nouveau and Tanek are at each other and how um, Hyundai desperately needs someone properly at the helm instead of this interim boss they've got. So mm. they can give both these two a slap and say, right, I'm the one telling everyone how the direction of yeah. this team. But I, I honestly can't see Tannock still in high and high colours next year. Not at all. Not the way he's going. And by the way, it's worth mentioning Dirtfish site, fantastic photos uh, as well. Yes. I just put out a tweet about that. So some fantastic photos near Acropolis rally. Also in the links, we'll have the usual what we learned and Colin Clark's driver ratings. Uh, new new van news. Yes, Ford eTransit Custom is a high tech business hub uh, with a <laughs> two hundred and thirty six mile range. Supposedly, okay. Ford have announced the eTransit Custom. Uh, so obviously that's the mid sized transit van mm-hmm. with uh, electric power plants. Part of the Ford Probe, Ford Pro, not Ford Probe, Ford Pro van lineup. Uh, so of course it's the second one to go electric. 
Uh, a few aesthetic differences, but I'm sure there's going to be a facelift for the entire range um, pretty soon to bring it all in line with that look. Yeah, 400 volt, 74 kilowatt hour usable battery pack, um, 10% more energy density despite it having pouch type battery cells. I can't believe we're going to start discussing battery cells as an important part of any spec. Well, we still have to. <laughs> Can be fast charged, uh, 15 20% charge in 40 minutes. And that profile is optimized for quick top ups. If you plug in for five minutes, you get 25 miles, 24, 25 miles of range. A couple of different power outputs, 100 or 160 kilowatt, both of them giving lots of torque because, of course, it'll be the same motor, just be different power management levels. Yes, regen braking, one pedal driving mode, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which should make it fantastic around town mm. in heavy traffic. That should be super easy. Just like the F-150 Lightning uh, over here in the US of A, onboard sockets, running tools, lights, a lot of other electrical equipment. This has the potential to be the UK and European equivalent to the F-150 Lightning over here, where people are choosing it for its electricness, not for its electric drivingness, but just because there's so much more stuff you can do with so much less other kit, like yeah. being able to to run your power tools, run all the other stuff that you would need if you were, say, a joiner. Yeah. If you were a joiner, if you were a car valeter, um, a joiner, you can be running various uh, power tools, saws, etc., drills, charging stuff or from the van. If you're someone like a Valata, for example, you could be running a power washer off it mm. and being able to, or, or any uh, rotary polishers or any of these kind of things. Lots of really useful, buy it because it's more useful than an internal combustion engine style stuff, as opposed to buying because it's electric and we can hug and save the planet. That's a pretty decent reason too, by the way. Yeah. There's also a number of uh, styles, as you would imagine. Yeah. Just like the e-transit, it's available in all the body styles that you can get the internal combustion in. I quite like the, and this is a picture in the uh, article we're linked to, but a five-seat option that includes two seats in the second row. So it's three up front, two in the middle, and then it's partitioned off. So you could is get that, longer So you can stuff. carry two kayaks in the back and a, and a bicycle, Absolutely. just like the picture. Well, yes. I'd carry one. I'd carry one so then I could go off on the kayak and leave everybody on the shore. But, you know, that's personal. But I could see that working really well for Middle England, all the uh, lifestyle people and all the rest of it. But I, but I, it does add a really interesting option also for camper conversions yep but i i've been i haven't been able to find a price i've been looking around and i haven't found a price yet all right uh oh. it's not in this article but i've been i've been searching elsewhere if, if there was it, it would be there i'm sure that that will follow along I, I think that they're probably trying not to not to announce prices until a little bit sooner than the time given the volatility of currencies and the prices of bits right at the minute yep yeah, well, talking of prices that we do know, the new Nissan X-Trail, and that's going to be priced from £32,030 and will come with hybrid-only power. This is the one from Nissan that's just above the cash cow. And fortunately, they haven't done what they did with the previous generation, which I did drive and, and didn't like it at all for many, many reasons. One of the primary ones was that it looked exactly like a cash cow. <laughs> <laughs> but this one ha does do does look distinctly different now. This is going to be available in five and seven seat forms. The two mm -hmm. seats that we see in the picture in the in the boot are quite low down. But again, there's as with most of these seven seat SUVs, it is just to travel a short distance with 
Sprogs in the back, I think. Yeah, it's it's essentially a five plus two, isn't it? As yeah. opposed to a full full whack seven seat. I know that over here, it's in the US, it is uh, it is slightly smaller than than stuff like the Highlander and, and things. So it, yeah, you don't want people in the back for very long. No, so it's going to come with a turbocharged one point five liter petrol engine as the entry level with hybrid assist, and it will produce. Up to 161 brake horsepower with 221 pounds foot of the torques and a CVT gearbox for all those who really hate a CVT gearbox. And there seem to be plenty about. Um, you can go up uh, up a level and get a 201 brake horsepower version, again with a 1.5 litre petrol with the lovely e-power system that the uh, Qashqai has um, that uses the petrol engine as a generator. And then uh, you can actually go up to the 210 brake horsepower E-Force with a four as the start of the force word. Oh, God. Uh, and that will get you up to 0 to 62 in seven seconds and apparently an economy figure of up to 44.7 miles per gallon. That has a second electric motor at the back. Ah, okay, right. That'll be why that helps that then. So it is all wheel drive and supposedly it can respond to grip changes by varying the front to rear power distribution in 0.0001 seconds. That's okay. useful for all of you um, tread shuffle stand there with aficionados. Stand there with my uh, yeah. <laughs> stopwatch going. But if you get that that car with the uh, seven seats, then that will, it, as the t- range topper, will cost from forty-eight thousand one hundred and fifty-five pounds. So that's quite Why? pricey. You'd have to really want that, wouldn't you? You'd, yes. Yeah, that's that's putting up against. But I mean, having said that, okay, it's more expensive. But you're in Hyundai Santa Fe territory. Mm-hmm. You've smashed past the Mercedes G- GLB. Uh, and the Kodiak is where you're starting with so, the so why would you, the range. Why, why, why would you buy that? I don't know. It looks much nicer on the inside than recent Nissans have. It really does. It is pretty handsome, by the way, in, in all fairness, not being a Saki sod. It looks nice both outside and in. It is, it is a handsome thing and a definitely far greater quality Mm. certainly perceived quality inside than currently yeah obviously the cash kai is their their (laughs) cash cow but it's going to be interesting to see how well this does because we are leaning towards the larger suvs aren't we Mm -hmm. as a society so maybe they get people upgrading from cash guys and stuff as a starter and then other people being brought in possibly Possible. Well, when it's on, when it's out, we'll we'll ask them for a try and see. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, a uh, lunchtime read this week reads like I don't know some kind of novel. Really, it's uh, it's on the drive. It's by Steph Schrader, and it's how a fake billionaire scammed rich buyers for millions with bogus Ferrari build slots. It's the story of the twenty-four-year-old uh, Daniel Leskin and how he basically faked his way into looking like he had absolutely loads of money into a life of luxury by pretending to have spare Ferrari Monza allocations for sale and just people believing him and paying him lots of money. Obviously, it didn't work out brilliantly. He's been indicted for wire fraud as a result, but it's it's <laughs> interesting just how he managed it. Well worth a read. Yep, Lots of good stuff on the drive these days, by the way. Really good stuff. Yep. 
Right, list of the week, and that is our Bath's greatest hits. Evo went round the FCA Heritage Hub tour, and from that there are a selection of some of the vehicles that they saw. Now, there are 11 photographs, but Alan, out of this list, are there any that of the cars that particularly leap out at you? Okay, is there one that leaps more out at you? Sorry, it, it is our bath. Um, yes, the Lancia 037 Group B car from 1982 has always been one of my... F- I've just always thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm going to choose that. So, it's really a bit of an outlier. They're saying it's Nabath in everything but name. I mean, there are so many other good cars there. And, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that one, that one. One that stands out for me, and this won't be using up all the list, by the way, is the 56 um, Arbath 750 record Batoni. Because that reminds me of the Star Wars Phantom Menace, the uh, one of the starships, the fighters <laughs> for, for the people of Naboo. The way it's shaped is just this glorious, curvaceous thing that was designed to slip through the air as, as easily as possible. It is really quite stunning. It is, if you, you could imagine a sort of cast, cast paperweight of that. Oh yeah, would be yeah, a yeah. fantastic thing in polished metal. Would be a fantastic thing on your desk. I, I, it is gorgeous. It's, it's, yeah. It was one of the sort of top five that I was going to have chosen just there, because there's, <laughs> there's great. Uh, just scroll up and down and go. Yeah, love it. Yeah, love it. Yeah, love it. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. So yeah, cracking, cracking stuff. Cracking stuff. Mm-hmm. Have a look. Lots to read in there as well. By the way. Yep, there is. So take us to the unfinally then, please. And finally, this week is is from Haggerty, and it's a see-through engine, a see-through cylinder in an engine. So it's very difficult to try and explain how internal combustion vehicles work. One of the reasons being that they do sort of involve quite a lot of sort of explosiveness, <laughs> and explosiveness tends to be contained, and it tends to be in metal. And one of the things, one of those sort of properties of metal that we might all have noticed is that it's not very see-through. So it's very hard to actually <laughs> <Hopefully>. see. <laughs> thankfully. So it's very difficult to see what's actually going on inside an engine cylinder. But they've managed it. Uh, there's, little, there's a little single-cylinder engine here. It's been 3D printed in resin and there's a whole youtube video about it i haven't watched the youtube video yet i'm afraid it's very cool i mean it's not going to be wonderfully durable of course but it's very cool to be able to see what's happening within within an engine as the combustion happens and all that kind of stuff yeah absolutely yeah it is fascinating to watch this sort of thing and it is a combustion by the way not an ex not an explosion some the the author Kyle Smith points out that he gets annoyed by the use of the word explosion explosion because it is controlled combustion that's happening within an engine. Oh, fair point. But that's it's the next it's the next stage on from one of those um, Haynes sort of build you build your own V eight plastic yeah. kits and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic stuff. Brilliant. That's it for this week. I think parish notes. Yep. Tell patrons we'll be recording at a slightly different time due to Alan being at a secret location. Brackets, it's not very secret, but let's build the tension. Done. Yes, just as we're all getting used to this new recording time, we're going to change it uh, for next week because I'm in a different time zone. For one week only. (laughs) For one week only. Coming live. Yeah. 
next week the time changes a bit and I've now forgotten where it goes to and I'm not going to open my calendar because it'll just crash my computer. 2pm British summertime. So it's probably going to be half two when we start recording by our normal standards. Anyway, we'll discuss that and it'll come out. Patrons, it'll come out and you'll, 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 get, the, you'll get the note and I'll try and do it in good time like I did last night. Nothing else though? Nope. Nope. Good otherwise. Brilliant. Uh, so, folks, don't forget between now and next week's slightly different time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts of the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? If you want to get in touch with me personally, then you can do it uh, via Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We, as always, will be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.